Thank you for subscribing to KCWG The Truth Extra, our premium content channel. We have copies of our shows, plus exclusive content from our hosts and their guests. Also, as a subscriber, you'll be invited to participate in giveaways and events. Thank you for supporting and listening to KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio on the planet. WGTheTruth.com. I'm your host, P. Russ, and Real Love, Real Talk. I got my boy, DJ Rome, on the line. We got an awesome, awesome show today. So we're going to uh, we're going to talk about some film introduction, and we're going to break some things down. Um, I wanted to say some things on the air, but not right quick. I had an opportunity to... I'm still working on the film. I got, an hour, I got 15 minutes left on this awesome... This awesome film that I've been watching. And when I say it touched me, we're going to talk about it. But my boy, DJ Rome, are you on the line with me? Good brother, good brother. You got to get through those last 15 minutes, man. It's, it, it's crucial. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I, uh, You know, I'm quiet at first, and everybody, you know, thinks I'm quiet. But I come explosive. That's just how I am, man. But uh, I watched the, the film. I got 15 minutes left. I thought it was amazing. I'm a critic. I'm a very deep critic when it comes to uh, logical, analytical thought about love and about life. Um, I saw myself in every freaking character. Like, I, you know what I, my life has been through, like, hell, in the last 30 years. But when I watched this film, I did have my, I did have my, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I was like, okay, let me watch it. But when I watched it, I was like, wow. And I'm very impressed. Mm-hmm. It's hard to impress me. Right. So... I want you to introduce this guest, man, and uh, it's hard to impress me. You know how I am, but I want you to introduce this beautiful woman <laughs> to to the world. Oh, I would love to. This is definitely worthy of high praise because I also saw the film. I was extremely impressed with it. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to welcome to uh, Real Love, Real Talk Uncut. This young lady is a graduate of New York School of Visual Arts. She happens to be a friend of mine, met her in Southern California many, many years ago. It's hard to believe so much time has elapsed, but she has gone forward and has gone on to create web-based programming. She's also directed web series for Queen Latifah, for CoverGirl, Flavor Unit Entertainment. She's also worked with hip-hop artist and actor Common. She is on the rise, and she's here to talk about her film career as well as her latest project, which is now streaming worldwide entitled In the Morning. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Real Love, Real Talk Uncut, Miss Nefertiti Ngugu. Miss Ngugu, are you there? Hey, hey, hey. I am hey. here. I am here. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Oh, thank you for joining us. That's the good brother T. Russ back there. <laughs> I love any time I can win over a rough critic. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. Sometimes, 
Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful film. And uh, we are talking to you uh, from coast to coast. It's a beautiful day here in Northern California. I know you're on the East Coast. So uh, if you could, why don't you tell us a little bit about your career? I met you in the early 2000s, and since then, your career has launched. So uh, from East Coast to the West Coast and back to the uh, New York City area, can you give us a brief synopsis of your career? What's been your trajectory to this date? How did we get here? Yeah. Um, how did we get here? <laughs> Blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> Heard that. Heard that. <laughs> I, um, so, yeah, when we met, I was living in Los Angeles. I had moved out there um, to follow my dreams of becoming a filmmaker. And I, at the time that I was living in um, L.A., I was, like, working for other directors, working behind the scenes in film and, and sort of, like, really trying You're to, listening like, to exciting premium content on KCWGTheTruth.com. That's not really going to work. What I really need to do is just start making work of my own and not really wait for permission and for other people to say, here's a check, go make a film. So I left Los Angeles and I kind of moved back to New York to start making my work independently. Um, and since that time, I've made um, two short films, two narrative short films. I've made a, a web series for Queen Latifah and um, Cover Girl. And I did some projects last year for Common's album, Black America Again, which I really love. One was a mini documentary um, called Love Star based on the song. Um, right. We went to New Orleans and interviewed some amazing black women about love and shot Common backstage at his Essence Music Festival a performance. And then we did a series called Black America Again, right. um, which was Common sitting down with like Harry Belafonte and Serena Williams and Lorna Simpson and some really amazing other artists and activists is talking about what it means to be black in this critical moment in time and in our history. Um, so that was lovely. And then finally, the piece that you guys are talking about in the morning is my baby. It's my first feature film. Um, and this is a film that is now available um, worldwide via video on demand. It's on Amazon and Vimeo and VHX and Comcast Infinity. Oh, it's, it's a beautiful film, too, and you are amongst the stars. I mean, there's some heavy hitters you just mentioned, from Common to Harry Belafonte to Serena Williams. Uh, I definitely want to talk to you about In the Morning because Russ and I are both blown away by it. But how did those two projects come about, including Queen Latifah? How did you come to the attention of those prominent artists? Well, I was, you know, that piece that I did, that project that I did for Up Queen Latifah and Slavery Unit, that was like my first major gig as a director. And I have to say, as a Jersey girl, who was like a huge fan of Queen Latifah, who's also from Jersey. Was a also from Jersey, that's right. Yes, yeah, um, from my hood, too, from North New Jersey. So it was like awesome just to have that opportunity um, for my first like major um, directing gig be given to me by someone who I admire, a woman from my own hometown. So that was great. Right. And that actually came about um, through a woman named Shelby Stone, who was working for Flavor Unit Production at the time. And um, Shelby is someone who I definitely consider a mentor. She, I met her during my time that I lived um, in Los Angeles um, when I was like working on other people's productions, I was assisting a director named George Wolf, another mentor of mine, um, on his film Lackawanna Blues. And I met Shelby then, and like I would always send her copies of like my shorts when I made them, and just keep her in the loop of 
when I was making work. And so when the project came up and they realized that they wanted to do it, she's like, hey, I know this young director who I think would be great for it. And um, they liked my work and brought me on board. Oh, that's fabulous. That must have been an exciting time for you. Now, why do oh it God. this way? What, so did nice. it just knock your thoughts off? Because I was hoping that when we welcomed you to L.A., you know, I have the unique distinction of being able to say that I helped you move into L.A. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not going to bring that up. And I was hoping that show, I was hoping that show of uh, chivalry would endear you to the West Coast, but apparently it was just a temporary stay because your calling was definitely uh, back there and on the East Coast where you are. But why do it this way, Nefertiti? What what inspired you to do it independently? Because as you know, uh, the Writers Guild was just facing a strike, which meant that would have put a whole lot of writers out of work. And so to what degree would you or are you impacted by uh, movements like that, and just overall, what inspires you to do it this way and to get your voice out there as an independent black female filmmaker? What is that about? Yeah, well, I, like I said, at the time that I was living in L.A., I kind of moved there with, like, hopes and dreams of, like, some studio writing me a check to make the films I wanted to make, and then it just became clearer and clearer to me that Hollywood studios aren't really that <laughs> into making films about the interior lives of black women <laughs> and about, right. you know, they're just not in a rush to make the type of work that I feel like is interesting and the type of work that I think is missing, you know? Um, and so I decided instead of waiting and waiting and waiting for someone to say, Oh, okay, this is interesting. I had to like take the reins myself. I like took a cue from the spike leaves of the world and, you know, by any means necessary made the film and, I think for filmmakers like myself, um, black women filmmakers working independently, we have to do that. Like, it's it just, we have to be able to create the work that we want to see because, you know, we could wait forever for people to tell our stories, but it's really up to us to take the reins and do it ourselves if we want to see it done correctly. Oh, absolutely. That voice is so important. T. Russ. Man, I'm just sitting back enjoying the conversation um, and just analyzing. I I was impressed because um, I come up from a hard background where my grandmother, and a lot of people know that about me, was a drug dealer from uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, all the way to Sacktown. And, uh, of course, my history of gang affiliation, uh, organized crime, all that stuff that I did and to become a psychologist. And so now when I looked at the film, when it first came on, the first thing that struck me was um, the curves of the woman, the struggles of the black woman. Um, it touched me, and it, it got me going where, okay, let's keep on looking at this film. And then I began to understand the metaphoric ideas and suggestions that came from the film, and I was blown away. For example, um, the, he couldn't, the one, one couple could not tell the young lady that I love her, and he, he was uh, already married. Mm. Um, I understand that situation. Uh, been in that situation and just sitting back and, and, and when the young lady is going to Brazil and she has to prove to herself that she can take herself, know who she is, but nobody else understood that. And it was like, wow, that mm -hmm. blew me away. And just the f profound expressions uh, when a few of them said, hey, the, the peeling back of the layers and joy beyond belief and a soft place to land, those those type of things blew me away. And I was just like, wow. I mean, it took me to a place where I was like, I need to think about some things. 
and right. it takes you to the past, and it also brings you to the future. So I was like, who is this lady? <laughs> How did she make that? Because I've seen, <laughs> you know, I'm here in L.A., so I'm like, I've seen our friends, none against them, but they have made short films. I know a couple directors. But when I saw this one, I said how just, just the filming and the lighting was perfect. Right. The, the, it just was. And if you don't have lighting, you don't have the right pitch, the right tone, it's not going to work. Right. And if you don't have the right, the, you know, all those actors that you had in it, they had to be handpicked because they flowed. You know, it just flowed. And that's what I thought about it. I really... I don't know what to say. I'm kind of blown away, and I, I, I that, wish that you continue man. to. Huh? Yeah, that, that's beautiful. Yeah, finish your thought. Finish your thought. Oh. <laughs> well, you know me, man. I'm a direct cat, man. And uh, I think that young people need to watch this film before they go into relationships because it has a lot of breakdowns of thought. No, seriously, of thought have you considered. Have you considered? And, of course, this is a Christian radio. I take it to the very edge where Job was asked, well, let's say Satan asked God, have you considered, or God said, have you considered Job? And I think sometimes pictorials and film need to have that significant oomph where they tell the audience, have you considered? Have you considered this? Have you considered that? And that's what this film did for me. I wish, I'm going to tell you what, the only bad side about this film is it wasn't long enough because I was like, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. I want to see right. some more stuff. So that's, that's probably a part two. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good. I'm, I'm very impressed with you. What is it going to end? <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. And I love when people say they want it to continue because it's like, but you definitely don't want people to feel like, when is this movie going to be over? It's too long. Right, right, <laughs> right. No, no, it's beautiful, man. It was beautiful. It was very thought-provoking. I agree with all those um, those uh, subtitles at the beginning of each scene. really, really drew you into the story. So you talked about the lighting of it. It was like working with him and how he contributed to this project? Oh, absolutely. Now, AJ, as we call him, Arthur Jaffa, is an amazing cinematographer. He shot um, Julie Bass's film, Daughters of the Dust. Um, he shot Spike Lee's film, Brooklyn, and, um, and many more incredible works. He's someone that I have looked up to for the longest time, just as an artist. Certainly, Julie Bass's film, Daughters of the Dust. Was, had such a deep and profound impact on me um, when I saw it. It was one of the things that really confirmed for me that I wanted to be a filmmaker, and it's something that really expanded sort of like what I felt like a film could be, especially films about black life, you know what I mean? It was just nothing like it before since. Um, but AJ and I actually met through another mutual friend, um, cinematographer Bradford Young, introduced us. The first thing that we worked to, he actually, I met him when I worked on that project for Clean Latifa. Brad was shooting it. And there were a few days that he couldn't do, and he recommended AJ. And I was like, well, do you think he'll do it? He was like, oh, yeah, I'll do it, and he'll love you. Um, and I was so nervous. You're listening to exciting premium content on kcwgthetruth.com. We got along great. And, you know, when we first started talking about in the morning, he was essentially just interested in, like, producing, like, creative, being a creative producer on it. But, like, the more we talked about it, we sort of started to bond over, like, Marvin Gaye's album Vulnerable and just all these other films wow. that we loved and had in common. Like, I'm a big fan of, like, Ingmar Bergman's body of work. And so we just had, we just have all these really long, in-depth, 
in-depth conversation, and it just became clearer and clearer to me that he should be the one to shoot it. So I finally worked up mm. the nerve to ask him, and thankfully he said yes. Um, wow. So beyond like the cinematography, he also contributed in many ways just in terms of um, just the conversations that we'd have about how to approach things or just, you know, also he was the first person who, of any influence, who really pointed other people towards my work. You know what I mean? I think he was one of the first people of influence to say this is who's doing some interesting things. You know what I mean? And that, that gave me a lot of confidence to, um, as a director, to keep like pushing ahead and getting right. this project, you know, getting it done. So yeah, he's amazing. It was an amazing experience working with him. And got it done, you did. You know what? I was talking to my sweetheart some time ago and I was just, just chopping it up with her and I was saying, you know, the ultimate consummate black love story should be titled I Want You. I wish somebody would make a film called I Want You. And then I look on your yeah. credits and you actually did a project called <laughs> I Want You. I'm like, wow, yeah. Nefertiti must have been reading a brother's mind. It's like, who knew? And so, so what is it about, because you're in a long line of filmmakers. Now, you mentioned Julie Dash, but I think about Love Jones. This film is going to have its own place now in that continuum of, you know, legendary, iconic black films. And there seems to be a renaissance of that right now. And I think back to, like I said, Love Jones. I think about The Best Man. And you are definitely carving out your own niche. Uh, talk about oh, what you. you feel. Oh, you're welcome. Talk about what it feels like to have your own place in this industry where uh, so many aspiring filmmakers are trying to do what you're doing, but they may not have the courage to assert their own voice. Because I know a little something about Kim's story, how she had to assert herself as far as her artistry mm -hmm. early in your career. And I just kind of mm -hmm. see you doing the same thing. So can you talk about what the importance of that is and what that means to you? Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's essential. And that's the thing, you know, I was actually just speaking to someone earlier who asked me, like, what I'd say to other young, young filmmakers. And I think, you know, for so many of us, women in particular, we struggle so much with, like, confidence and just being confident enough to make the work, you know what I mean, and having um, just the belief in ourselves that our voice and our vision matters. And I feel like, you know, that's something that I hope to be able to get across is just like you just have to fully and completely commit to telling the stories that you want to tell you know what I mean because it's like I feel like if it's not you may if you don't make it it's not going to get told I feel like if I didn't make it in the morning this is not a story that would be told and I feel like so I would encourage as many filmmakers of color as possible who are grappling with these issues to so just do it you know what I mean it's cr about creating a body of work and I think particularly in this critical moment in history that we're living in our stories matter I mean we're at the point right now where we still have to say that our life matters <laughs> so right. I think telling the stories about who we are is crucial to our survival right it is and why is it that because you know I think about films like Ghost in the Shell and how that's received a backlash for not mm -hmm. casting the, the correct cultural uh, lead mm -hmm. characters for that. And mm -hmm. what what do you think about that? And what does that say about us as artists that we aren't qualified to tell our stories or we're not good enough mm -hmm. to be cast in our own roles? What, what does that say? 
Well, I, I don't think it's about us not being good. I mean, Lord knows it's not about us not being good enough. <laughs> that right. is, that's definitely not the case. You know, it's we, we this industry was founded on the film Birth of a Nation, which is like propaganda <laughs> for right. the, you know, that that was created basically to keep, you know, black folks in the position that they were in at that time. So it's just like that that's where this this industry comes from. And I feel like we cannot not cannot internalize like the aggressive white supremacy that and that exists in this industry and may turn it into something about us like not being good enough or our voices not mattering or we're not able to tell our stories. I think the more that independent artists continue to make the films and audiences respond to them. I mean you look at a film like Get Out or like Moonlight, all of these are films that have Nothing that should dictate what "quote unquote" Hollywood would say is going to be a hit film, but look how they're doing, look how they've performed, and how audiences right. are responding to them. You know what I mean? And so it's just like right. we just have to invest as little as possible in that power structure that says that we don't exist and we don't matter, and yeah. to invest as much as we can in the artists who are making the work that is important to our survival, essentially. Uh, see, and see, I, I know T. Russ has a question for you because I think about what you just said and I think about the fact that F. Gary Gray right now is killing the game. This Fast and Furious mm-hmm. series has broken all kind of box office records because it's like mm-hmm. across the billion dollar state and he's the first African-American director to reach that threshold. And so it just proves once again that, you know, it doesn't matter that the, the characters, well, it does matter. All <laughs> Our characters do matter, but the fact that we are... We, we have the capacity to tell our own stories, and we have a vision for things, mm-hmm. and they should be given an opportunity. And so it's just really nice to see people out like you, like you out there, really asserting that position. And um, F. Gary Gray, I wish him uh, continued success as well. But we have to tell Absolutely. our stories. T. Russ, T. Russ, you want to get in here? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I want to go back to the movie because I'm, I'm still in the movie mm-hmm. right now. And right. one of the things okay. that uh, – yeah, I'm, in, I'm into it, so – one of the things that I caught from the thing, I saw two things that kind of stood out to me was when at the end they were uh, toasting uh, the farewell uh, when she was getting ready to go to Brazil and everybody had their say mm-hmm. on what love was. Okay, what is love? That touched me. I'll have a question. And then the theme was the commitment of black men. How did you squeeze that together? Because if if some cats are out there and they're really looking at this movie, that's going to stand out, the commitment mm-hmm. of black men, the, commit- the commitment of each other, and the definition of love. How did you do that? How did you, how did you come up with that? Because you know, it's strong. That scene, oh, thank you so much. You know, that scene, I actually, I'm a huge jazz fan, and I, um, when my father passed away, he was a big jazz fan, too, and so I inherited, like, most of his jazz albums, and so I, like, you know, when you have, like, albums, they have, like, liner notes and all these things that you can, like, sit and spend time with, so... I was actually one day reading through the liner notes um, of some John Coltrane albums, and they were just so incredibly beautiful and moving to me. And just the way, the language in which he would use to talk about love and spirituality and art, I felt was just so amazing. And I just felt like you never really hear black people talking like that in films um, about love or about anything. So I was just like, I decided in that moment that, okay, I want to have a scene in which our characters are talking about love in a way that you don't 
usually get to hear Black people articulating in films. And that was super, 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 super important to me. And, you know, I think I'm inspired by folks like John Coltrane and Charles Mingus and Eric Dolphy, all these, like, Alice Coltrane, right. all these incredible jazz musicians who, beyond, you know, the arts they contributed, it's just like the articulation of what they intended their work to do is just really, really infinitely inspiring to me. And so I'm hoping that in that scene I capture a little bit of that essence. <laughs> no, you did. You did. And and I think uh, it, it brought me, uh, for example, I'm a divorcee and uh, mm -hmm. a single brother with a dating a 26-year-old woman. Okay? That's kind of deep. Okay. And I don't look my age, <laughs> but when we go out, people look. And it makes me mm -hmm. realize Huh, let me ask some questions of myself. And so when I looked at the film, a lot of things came out and I said, Huh, have I did that? Have I have I committed? Have I have have I defined my manhood? Do I need time? Do I know that this is the one? This is what this film did to me. And so I do know who I am. Um I no, I believe I know who she is, and that's what this film, I believe, does to to some folks. You did a definitely, you did a good job. Um, and we come, we going to New York, Rome. We going to visit her in New York, man. Because oh, oh, <laughs> this is awesome. You know this, man. <laughs> I appreciate Absolutely. that. I appreciate that. I love that. Well, I really love when people can see themselves in the film and that when it speaks to you specifically, you know, that's, you know, like I said, like reading Coltrane liner notes or just experiencing right. the art that I love. When I love things that, you know, force you to put yourself in it, ask yourself questions, and that's like one of the greatest You're honors listening to, to me as a director, as a writer, when people you say to You're listening to exciting premium content on KCWG, the truth. Can I just throw this shout in? I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing. We we got to land the plane in a second here, but I appreciate the fact that I didn't hear the N word one time in the movie. It was a <laughs> not at all, not well at all. Crafted, well written, uh, in depth uh, dialogue between the characters in the film, and it's just inspiring to see such stories being told. It's nice to see brothers and sisters in a nice light. Uh, one last thing before mm -hmm. we go: there's been some discussion about uh, the selection and roles and opportunities for black men. Um, I noticed the brothers in this film had a distinct dialect. Were they British? Mm -hmm. Okay, so to um, what degree... Go, go ahead, speak on that for There are no Brits in the film. <laughs> there are no Brits in the film. We have um, Oji Fortuna, who's actually African. He's from Angola. Um, okay. And then um, Aldo Slade, who plays Fez. He is from... I believe Aldo's from Houston, but I met him on the scene in Brooklyn. He's an American actor. Um, then we have C.J. Lindsay, who actually I've been friends with forever, who plays Leo. He's an American actor. He's from New Jersey, like me. <laughs> we met okay. many moons ago when we were theater kids together. Um, and then Jackie Ito, who plays Malik, he is actually African as well. He's you know, Oh, that's beautiful. So you got international representation for this one. So, um, we got the Pan-African diaspora. We got, we got it all. Brooklyn, <laughs> right. New Jersey. We got it all. Y'all need some L.A. brothers. Y'all need some L.A. brothers on that film. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes. Well, we, we got to land the plane in a second. Yeah, we we coming to New York. Russ, Russ ain't playing, and I'm not playing. We coming to New York to hang all out right. with you. 
Uh, you are now streaming worldwide. Before we land the plane, can you tell us where we can find In the Morning and where we can have people go check it out? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we are streaming on Amazon, Comcast Xfinity, Vimeo On Demand, and VHS. So you can find all of this information on our website. We're at inthemorning-thefilm.com. And we also have a Facebook page um, for the film. So all of the information is there. And so I invite people to experience the film, check us out, watch On Demand, and let us know what you think. Oh, they're going to love it. And do you have any West Coast appearances coming anytime soon in California, L.A.? We are, I don't have an exact date yet, but I know we'll be in L.A. in the summertime. We're being halfway there. L.A. is one of our last stops. We're get to meet you in person and uh, if you want to go in and uh, just throw a little like on us on our website it's real love real talk uncut and it's on Facebook man we out uh, I appreciate the guests and uh, we're going to take a little break come back but uh, hey man much love to you and the guests love it I love it thank you thank, thank you. you for having me alright good luck thank you testimony Keontae Latif I pray the Lord will forgive me for my It's real This my real testimony Keontae Latif I pray the Lord will forgive me for my sin And that I can live eternal life I ain't trying to judge nobody Check me out uh. I pray the Lord will have my soul, have my soul. Eternal life, my biggest goal, my biggest goal. If heaven where you wanna go, you gotta tell the devil no and let the Lord have control, have control. I'm a product of the project, but I'm flyer than a legit. I hope my people feel this. To the ones that don't gotta pop the piss in. I was in the same position. I was in the same position. Graduated from the trap house. Now you see me in the church house. True religion, I'm bossed out. Fake friends got crossed out. Left behind in my rear view. Check me out in a year or two. Send a man to the We're back, family. We're back. We are at KCWG. TheTruth.com. You're listening to Real Love, Real Talk Uncut. I'm your host, T. Russ. And my boy, co host, DJ Rome. DJ Rome, are you on the line with me? Hey, what's happening, good brother? Man, we just uh, we just doing the thing, man. I really enjoyed the guest that you brought. Man, uh, you brought you brought it home, and uh, I'm trying to get yes, this indeed. mindset right now. Uh, not mm-hmm. not just because of the film, and we had that interview, awesome interview. I want definitely want to go to New mm-hmm. York. We need to go to New York. But uh, one of the questions that I failed to ask in the beginning of the show was how was your day? I know we have already interviewed our guests, but we always have to uh, somehow talk about our day and put on that oxygen mask and kind of relieve ourselves in a sense mentally where we at so we can get, you know, so we can get control tomorrow. So how was your day? Okay. 
All right, I appreciate that, man. It's it's funny to think of this as the oxygen mask segment, but it, it's a real thing. And if anyone is wondering what that means, it is uh, it's a gesture of self-preservation. When you have a tough day and you're, you spend a good portion of your day and life providing service to others, sometimes you forget about yourself. And when you're on God forbid you're in a plane and it's going down. They always advise that you put the oxygen mask on yourself first rather than your children because if you're not okay, there's nothing you can do for your children. That's metaphorically true for that situation as well as life in general. And so we kind of practice this what I call oxygen mask segment. I had a beautiful day, man. It was a hot day. It is a hot day right now. It's windy today. I actually feel like I'm coming down with a little cold, but I absolutely had a wonderful day today, very productive, and it was sort of topped off, capped off with that incredible interview of that movie and of that director, Miss Nefertiti Ngubu, and her movie is called In the Morning, and we're going to chop it up about it this evening. Well, I'll tell you what, man, uh, if I were to say the reason I, I brought it to you like this is because she brought up some good points in the movie. And as I was uh, sitting back thinking about it today, I had to ask myself a couple things, and I know uh, we got the producer listening also. And I had to, you know, they had a different variations of what love was. Uh, men uh, stated their point. The women stated their point. And uh, in, the, in the segment of the movie, you had the young lady, um, I believe Miss Hill, uh, going to Brazil. One of the statements that uh, I received from that deeply was, let me find myself. I began to kind of kind of reminisce about my marriage. And I would always say to myself when nobody was around, do we both know ourselves? Because if you come into a relationship 50-50, it's not going to work. Are you going to come into a relationship 100-100? No, probably not. But you could come in about 80%, even 70 So if you have one person coming in at 20 and another one at 80 you're missing 60%. And so as I looked at the segment, I looked at the film, I began to really appreciate uh, the actors, their passion, and their metaphoric breakdown on who they are, what they are, and who they need to become in order to find commitment. It kind of brought me back. And maybe it'll bring you back, I don't know. What am I really doing? And what was that other person really doing? Did we have a clue? And then you go, man, I've been in a relationship 20-some years. Did did we really know what we're doing? And then that's why you hear people, and I'll let you, I'll let you speak in a second. They married 20, 30, 40 years, and they'll go, I do not know you. And so when I looked at that breakdown of what is love, and then I'm looking at commitment, it blew me away. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that something? Isn't that, that is something? scary? I'm, I'm I'm pausing because um I know that the film really resonated with you and it does cause one to reflect quite a bit on their relationships from the past and right. there were a lot of consequential decisions that were going to be awaiting uh, those characters in the movie and the, by the time the sun came up they would have been on to the rest of their lives and so there were there was a lot riding on every single scene of that movie. And um, I'm really glad you were able to uh, enjoy it. Um, it. I have known about this film for a long time. I have to say it honestly exceeded my expectations. And um, I'm not just saying that because she's a friend of mine, but I'm saying it because I'm so proud. I'm so proud that there's a cinematic piece of work out there that actually puts us in a really positive light. And we talk often or speak often about 
um, image and how we're being perceived. And I know you want to speak about the, the men in, in the movie and how they were um, presented in this movie. Um, with, in addition to just the look of it, I mean, just the, the presentation and the, the, the careful, uh, meticulous assemblage of the cast and the direction and the lighting, it was just a beautiful, beautiful movie. And I have to say, I want everybody to go check it out. Um, you talked a lot about how it touched you personally. Um, when was the last time a movie moved you like this? I saw Crash, and that moved me because it brought a lot of internal mental infractions that I have and made me realize in my prejudice and my this and my that, this had the same compound. And it allowed me to ask some questions that maybe I'll ask right now that'll make sisters mad, especially about commitment, especially about image. And I'll throw them at you right now. Let's throw a couple at you. When I looked at the movie, when you look at these men in the movie and you, 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 you see that they'll tell a woman, you're so beautiful. I've always wanted a, a black woman that I could rub my fingers through her hair, okay? I'm not trying to offend nobody. Sometimes we look at other ethnicities and we see, hey, those men are running their fingers through their hair. And so when I look at my black woman, you see a lot of people like... Uh, Cat Williams and say, you can't run the fingers of that hair, brother. They got a weave. They're going to slap you down. And the image in my mind a lot of times, we as men associate love with respect first. And women associate love. We, we associate respect. And what I'm saying to is when I looked at this movie, I thought about those things. And I thought about, do I have a black woman that I'm committed to that I can run her fingers through, my fingers through her hair? And that means a lot to me, okay? And a lot of women probably say, what in the world does that have to do with anything? For a man, it has to do a lot, depending on what perspective you come from. For example, um, I've always wanted a full-figured woman with a little something on the back. So I like that image. I also wanted an intelligent woman. That means a lot to me. I wanted also an Afrocentric woman. That means a lot to me. And so... What I got from the movie, and you know, I hope when the audience listens to that, don't settle, don't settle. Okay. If you if you if if you watch the film, to me it's like don't settle. Get what you want. Don't be selfish now. Don't be unrealistic. You know, because no one's perfect. But get you know, I'll, I I I I'll say it like this. I'm looking for that fantasy chick that can ride with me because in my mind I have already saw her. And mm. I, when I saw the film, I saw a lot of disparity about commitment and about what they wanted. And that's 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 one of my thoughts. Okay. Yeah. And I don't to yeah. each <laughs> Yeah, to each his own. And you know, to each his own and I, I think that the film actually alluded to that a little bit. It talked about how when uh Harper's character, uh played by Miss Kim Hill I keep getting distracted because she's actually texting me right now. But um, Kim Hill was the uh, one of the lead actresses in this movie we're speaking about tonight. And um, right. she actually sort of um, poked her uh, friend there who was uh, the woman who was in the marriage. I don't want to uh, give any spoilers out there for those of you who have not seen In the Morning, a film by Nefertiti and Guvu, available worldwide right now, streaming. Um, I think she kind of nudged her a little bit by telling her, no, you're not in love, you're just comfortable. And I think people become comfortable oh, because they, oh, that was deep. yeah, that was very deep because, yeah, because you, you kind of settle into a groove and you don't really think that your dreams really matter anymore. Your desires no longer have any relevance because, hey, it hasn't come true up till now. So what's the point of hoping, dreaming and aspiring? 
And so that's deep. And so I think everybody has to sort of um, come to terms with what they want and sort of be okay with it because nobody can really walk that walk for you. And so I could ask you all day what it is about a full-figure woman, about a woman with uh, a certain texture of hair that appeals to you, and it's only going to be as relevant as uh, the individual fingerprint that you implant because I can ask another cat what appeals to him, and it'll be different, right? But we happen to love what we love. We like what we like, and I don't think attraction is a choice. And when we had a show with um, some sisters on a few weeks ago, I don't think you can necessarily control who you're attracted to. And there's different reasons for that, that things just sort of appeal to you at a very primal, um, organic, and natural level that you can say what you want. (laughs) But it's really difficult because if it weren't so difficult, check this out. If it weren't so difficult for women that are raising their sons by themselves, um, the reason why sometimes some guys grow up and they don't know themselves and they don't have a strong sense of their manhood is because They've missed out on having a man in their lives. And so sometimes uh, women have been accused of uh, loving their sons but raising their daughters. So let me reverse that. They're accused of raising their daughters and loving their sons, meaning they don't hold them to that higher standard and they let them slide and get away with things. And so what happens on the other side of that is they end up becoming a man that these mothers wish that they could be attracted to. You know, they want to raise the perfect son to be mannerful, be a gentleman. And that actually probably wasn't the cat that they created that son with (laughs) that got them, you know. And so there's something really, really uh, primal about attraction. And no two people's attraction is exactly the same. So to each his own. I have no judgment. You know me, man. Do no harm. Live and let live. And it's not for me to say whether or not someone is being superficial. I know I like what I like. But I know you left out a whole lot of things about what you're looking for in terms of a substantive, uh, complete, and full woman. Now, oh, a lot of those absolutely. women, a lot of the women right. in this movie were, um, they were about that. They were about their dreams. They were not, they were not about right. holding back and living with their foot on the brake and one on the gas pedal. They were, she was, she was like, let's go. You know, I got to go and get my life. And I think there's something to be said about that when they are not going to, um, give in to the temptation to just stay still in life. They're going to go for what they want, and I think that's really important. I think that's great, and uh, if I were to critique it as I thought about it deeply, I told you the film wasn't long enough, and, and I and, and I agree with that, but it was another thing that kind of came to my mind, and I want to throw this out. Uh, you know, men are like 80%, 90% physical, and women are 80 right. 90% emotional. With that being said, I've always understood this... Uh, this 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 balance in the sense that one of the things that I didn't see, okay, uh, being fair to the right. director, is I did not see none of the black women in reality talk about their faith. Now I understand that this is not a Christian-based film, but it doesn't have to be. Most black women that are in a situation of struggle, um, they they always refer back to their faith, or they'll get on their knees. I didn't see that. I saw a lot of women that basically pulled on themselves and said, I got to do this for me. I am definitely not used to that. Um, I am usually used to black women saying, it's me, myself, and God. Because the only man that I can love is Christ. I I didn't see that. I didn't see that referenced 
in the movie, and I wish that if I had her back on, I would say, can you tell me about that? And that's that's mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I'm curious about. Your thought? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, yeah, I, I didn't miss that aspect of it. I, I thought that the uh, the camaraderie in the sense of um, that the, uh, the 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 shared spirituality between the sister was definitely sisters was definitely implied, although it was not explicit, as you say. But it, it wasn't a um, you know it wasn't a it wasn't a glaring omission for me. Um, what I was moved by was that there was so much um, positive interaction between the characters on the on the screen because you you can't often find that. I mean, I commented during the interview that I didn't hear one use of the N word. I didn't hear True. one use of the B word. If it did, it must have slipped past me because I, I just didn't see it. And knowing what I know about Nefertiti and Guru, I mean, I know this sister, you know, and I know that okay. she is about the positivity. I know that she's about something conscious and appealing to a different uh, demographic. And so I think it's definitely sort of baked in the cake of her entire organic presentation that you don't hear the N word, you don't hear uh, the B word, you don't hear the, the backstabbing or the competitiveness amongst the women, which sometimes they get typecast for. And so for me, the spirituality was all up in there. And I, I felt it very, very strong. And I don't know if, if it's solely because I vibrate that way that, that I made that connection. I mean, I do know her, but I think that I I got that. I got that aspect of it. And I felt God all through that movie in terms of just knowing what um, experience that uh, Miss Nguvu comes from. I mean, she's all about the positivity and keeping it conscious, keeping it real, but uh, keeping it definitely positive. Okay, so let me let me play the devil's advocate here because I'm I'm, I'm getting a little deeper in my mind and I'm going through this. Okay, I got something for you though. I got I got something. Okay. I know you're about to get deep, but I got oh, some. Uh, Miss Kim Hill. Okay. Miss Kim Hill wants to uh, get in here. I don't know if we can get her in here. She only has a few minutes. She's trying to put her son to bed. Oh, but she's got I, a few I, I minutes. Definitely wanted her to get in here. Let her. Uh, okay, okay well, you're about to wink at, uh, we got to kick Mr. Starks under the table, see if we can get her in here, but she wants to, she's okay. got a few minutes, just like we do. she got a few minutes, well, let's take a break, and uh, we'll come back in a minute, and we'll have her on, because i got some things. Okay, sounds good. All right, you listen to Real Love, Real Talk, Uncut, let's go to a song, let's do it, Pastor. This is KCWGTheTruth.com.
about to serve something fat. Holla, hear me, right? The media taking up who they want to. Forced to live like that, making power moves. Lacing hot tracks for my zeros. My pub in my kingo. I get down, with down, get down to triple O. Snakes in the game, heating up, I'm squeaking. God, open up the door, ain't no need for sneaking. Worldwide, name known, 2G, name owned. Every time on the road, do a show, love show. Motivated by Christ, give it all we can. Round the world in the day, cause we in demand. Do you love me? Riders never sleep. Would you sub me? Bouncing in your teeth while the thugs be hanging on the street and the clubs be moving to my beat. Make it bounce. The scene clearly now. Came down to a sign so they feel me now. Seen the lights so my eyes ain't weary now. When in her scope, one of bomb hit, they pace me, you know what, like Alvaret and Bakker, I keep it poppin', baby, we bout to take you on a journey, you can't stop it, baby, they say I'm crazy cause I act like this, to the world and got the dance floors packed like this, I wanna live like the rich, and get to the pole, so we can all have dough and educate to get no, check those, wreck those, they get out of pocket, why they melting like chocolate, we the ones making profit, you can't change mine, my lyrics got hang time, be so tight if you can see it, be throwing up gang signs, none alcohol, we fake to move a mountain, young bowler. With honey steady count, giving God praise. Come and drink from his fountain, but turning up and hunting back. Why you bounce? Make it bounce. I can see clearly now. Head down to a sign so they feel me now. See the lights so my eyes ain't weary now. Turn it up, holler back, and you feel me now. I can see clearly now. Head down to a sign so they feel me now. See the lights so my eyes ain't weary now. Turn it up, holler back. That's why they say show business. It's uh, 10% show, 90% business. You know what I'm saying? Come on now. <laughs> so uh, uh, this guest is, man, I am so excited to talk to this young lady. This queen right here and I go way back. She is a singer, songwriter. I've seen her get down with people like, I mean, throughout her career, whether it's from the Black Eyed Peas, I've seen her get down with Stevie Wonder. I've seen her get down with us at our events, at our own shows. She is an amazing performer, and so it should be no surprise that she could pull it off on the big screen as well. Sorry for that abrupt introduction, but I want to bring her in. I'm so excited. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Real Love, Real Talk Uncut, Miss Kim Hill. Miss Hill, are you there? I'm here. That's so sweet. How you doing? Oh, you know you're the queen. How you doing? Oh, it has been a long time. That's the good brother T. Russ right there. 
How you doing? How you doing? I'm good. Uh, well, good. I'm Thank you for right having now, me. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Talking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, you know. But I really, we were talking to uh, the director earlier, and I was telling the director how much I, I loved uh, this film. I am a critique. Beautiful like, I look job. at everything, and that's that's my role. And uh, kind of hard, but when it came to your, your scene, your your segment, I loved it. I liked your independence. I liked sometimes that you were unsure, but you needed to find that surety somewhere, even if it was going to the moon. You needed to find that. And <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, you did. And I liked that because I was, I was telling her that in every segment I saw myself, because I, 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 I told her I was a brother that been through some things, been there, done that. And, uh, again, when I looked at your sensuality, not sexuality, sensuality, it came out of the screen. Thank and you. And I just kind of said, oh, it did, Thank it did, you. it came out of the screen. And uh, just your features, your hair, how you walked, how you had that attire on, and I was kind of taken back, like, okay, okay, what's going oh, on? Feeling that that what it? I was feeling, feeling that, that I was <laughs> I was feeling that, man. And so, as a oh, man, as a man, I'm looking at the other dude like, "What's wrong with you?" And I'm looking at okay. him like, uh, <laughs> "Why?" No, I am. I'm being, I'm being real. I'm keeping it 100. What's okay. wrong with you? Right. And why can't you satisfy her? Now, mm. I'm gonna get deep, man, because you know I'm crazy. So why can't you satisfy her? And why <laughs> is she not satisfied? And I'm, and, and the first thing I look at a man is his intellect. So his intellect was intact, and then I gotta go to his uh, his sensuality. And I felt that his sensuality did not match your sensuality. It didn't match it because I, I was watching. And then I Interesting. also... Interesting. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It didn't match that. It wasn't matched. The intellect. <laughs> and I saw that you loved right. him, but you could not survive with him on that level because I believe, in my mind, you would have probably cheated on him. But so not being... You don't want to cheat on a brother. You'd rather leave. Because there's something yeah. there you needed to find, no matter where it, where it was, and that's where I got from your piece. I really enjoyed your your piece on that. Um, can you talk about that? Well, first of all, thank you so much. Thank you for the platform and for okay. you know really absorbing this work. These were not um, simple characters, although they're they're every day to black folk because we live and exist. Um, in real time, um, we just don't get to see these narratives on the little screen or the big screen that often. Um, so thank you for, you know, really looking at it and, and you know, kind of picking it apart. Um, I think for when I was approached about the film, um, we're talking 2011. My son was a year I was still nursing. The last thing on my mind was sensuality or being in a red dress walking up the hill. Like, it just wasn't, <laughs> it's just not right. where you're at at that stage in motherhood. Um, and so, but what I could relate to in the character, I think the, the, the thing that women wrestle with when they see the film, specific to Harper, uh, the character that I played, was what women would walk away from the seemingly perfect relationship. This was a man that doted on her. He loved her. Um, he didn't seem to be a dog. He seemed to be invested in the relationship. You know, open lines of communication, all of that stuff. The script did not lead you to believe that there were complications in the way that they communi communicated and loved each other. It simply came down to her character going, I know that is real. That is 100% authentic. I just want something different. And that is a complicated um, construct to, to even have as a takeaway because, you know, as women, we're... we're 
we are reared to when you hit the jackpot like that, you figure it out, right? You don't walk away, you don't go. So my character tends to pull out a lot of, it, it kind of taps into some emotional cords with both men and women. Um, I appreciate the way that you broke down it coming from the male perspective. I always felt like if I were Harper, um, I would not have put the onus on the man because Harper seemed like the kind of woman that wasn't the, she didn't live in a box. There, there really weren't any rules that she lived by. And that's a complicated person to be in a relationship. So, uh, you know, she just didn't seem like someone who, look to other people for her pleasure that came from coloring outside of the line and uh i don't think that those are people that really can be married because marriage does require a commitment every single day you have to decide that you're going to be committed um and i don't think that she was willing to make that decision every day um So I, you know, I'm a divorcee, Rome, you knew me when I was married, you know, um, I've had many, many walks in life as well, and I I, I think that's why I was able to bring to the character being able to separate, and and, and one of the chords I was able to identify with her as actors, we we tap into emotional chords, Um, and so one of those chords was the runaway, because I have been able to, uh, when things no longer serve me spiritually and emotionally, Mm -hmm. I can detach. And, you know, wow. you're never going to see me, like in a Tyler Perry movie, you know, holding on to a dude's leg and he's dragging me down the street. That's just never going to happen. So okay. I could wow. relate to Harper, wow. but I guarantee you if I had a husband <laughs> that really loved me and really allowed me to be free, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have packed up to move Brazil. So I, I was even a little tortured, you know, really trying to authentically play her. I really had to so take me- off the Kim hat. It was very convincing. It was extremely convincing. Yeah, let me throw well, this out. Russ, uh, let me uh, question, uh, uh, let me let me throw this out because people yes. be interested. I'm a divorcee also for about eight months. You use the word okay. free. Okay, okay, so that's new. And a lot of people ask me; they get sick of me because I go, "Oh my God, I'm free!" And I go, "Right." I, I don't I don't know what to do. I was like, I'm standing in the middle of the of the world, and I'm going, "Oh my God, I didn't know this about me." Do you have that experience? Well, when I, my divorce came with a lot of, um, I, I, I was free when I got the truth. Okay. And there's a difference between getting a divorce or starting a separation and knowing what the truth is. So okay. at the time my separation started, there was a lot of ambiguity and a lot of smoke and mirrors. And I, I was able to loosen the grip, but I was still, you're still a little invested because you just, you don't really have the information. And you know, I'm a little hard-headed. I have some girlfriends. One of my very good friends is from New Orleans. She's like, girl, we can get the truth. We can go at 3 o'clock in the morning and go to his house and get the truth. I'm like, no, wait. <laughs> oh, you know, we can take okay. some bones in a bag and get the truth. I needed the truth to come to me. Um, and, man, okay. when it did, it knocked me flat out. So, it, so I oh. felt free once I got the truth. But I, I okay. did not feel free once the separation took place. You understand? And then, so for me, it was a little bit of a difference. For some people, it all happens in one group. You know, they walk in on the truth. They get a phone call from the truth. You know, they, they go to jail and find the truth. In my situation, there was a gray area for a while. Once I got the truth, which you kind of always know, you know, that's my freedom because you can feel so crazy in relationships because you, you love. And, and the first thing people say to you, and brother, you might have heard this, is, well, how did you not see the signs? How did you not know? Well, 
Sometimes you're just freely loving that person and loving what the relationship represents. So you're not waiting for the ball to drop. Mm-hmm. You so know? Is that why you look so um, free but on your role? You look so free. I was able to see you. You're listening freedom. to exciting premium content on KC. You're listening to exciting premium content on KCWG the truth.com. When I shot the film, because I was, I just moved from Los Angeles. I lived there 18 years. I had a home there, a career, and a lot of people don't know this. I'd gone through a tough breakup with my son's father, and so um, I was just coming out of like a really thick um, heat of motherhood, like the nursing and the nesting and the kind of slumbering, you know. And, and remembering, so it's interesting you use the word sensual because I just finished an acting class with the great April Yvette Thompson, and we worked on these emotional cords. And when people see the red dress, which was a lot of the image that was used to promote the film, there was this idea of like, oh, she must be the sexy girl in the film. And I would always say she was sensual. Right. And to me, she wasn't, it wasn't this provocative, sexy chick. There was a sensuality because there was a certain kind of confidence in going, I know you guys don't understand this journey, but I'm still on it. You're still mm-hmm. gonna, we're still going to have brunch, but I'm getting on that plane, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I was at the time. If we'd shot that film six months before that, it would have been a different adaptation of Harper. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't quite, you know what I mean? I wasn't there yet. Um, I was still kind of running from ghosts at that point. By the time the film shot and it had been pushed back a bit, and God, it's just so good. Because if it had been six months earlier, I still would have been authentic. But Harper would have had a different tone to her. Um, and, you know, and then when you're being shot by somebody like Arthur Jaffa, I mean, <laughs> you're you're going to have the permission to just touch all those 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 soft pink bluey spots, right? You you have permission because it's you just trust them so much. I mean, well, I've seen where... you perform, Yum, I've seen you perform so many times, and I know that you, you are have. great at improvisation. And so, Nefertiti wrote the script. How much freedom did you have to improvise certain lines in the movie that gave it sort of that spontaneity, spontaneity that seemed to resonate with the other characters? Well, you know, all hail to Neff because, I mean, this this was a very brazen film, very brazen writing because she she's probably shared with you and she shared in other interviews a lot of these stories were her own, which is very, very, very bold to put that out there, you know. Um, and I wanted to be very careful with, with, with her words. And it was hard stuff to memorize because it was real, like, dialogue. <laughs> you know, it was right. beautiful poetry that you wanted to do it. Um, but what I think I brought to it is, like you said, that those, those years of improv and spontaneity. And, you know, I remember when I was reading the scene where we were at brunch, and you know that my ex-husband was French. And so right. I just was always throwing in, like, you know, Negro, Negro French. And right. so it just made sense in that okay. moment because it got a little heavy. On the page, okay. it was heavy. And I felt like Harper, one of the things she brought to the table, which is why people were drawn to her, is she knew how to, like, really hold court in a room, but also to release people. Like, it's not going to be heavy all day. You're not going to be crying and sweating and crying out your mm-hmm. mascara. So she had right. to say something there. And so I didn't tell Neff. And when it came time for the waitress to put the food down, and I said, Bon Appetit, Negro, I mean, the whole right. you, just the whole room started laughing. And mm-hmm. fortunately, it stayed. So that was the first day of shooting. And I just, I, I, from that moment, I was like, you got to just trust your instincts. Right. And every time I took a chance, 
you know, I didn't trap her words. I never dropped her lines or recreated them. But mm-hmm. in any breathing moment, I mm-hmm. trusted that, and it mm-hmm. all stayed in the film. And, and I was really proud of that because it was the balance of respecting what's on the page and understanding that you were brought to the, to the, to the room because of your stuff. So I just had like a little kit of Kim Hillism, and I just wanted them to be dropped in in the right moment. And it was magic. And, and it, it worked. worked. It, it yeah. totally worked. People, as soon as, absolutely. As soon as I saw that, that, I thought that that was Kim Hill all day long. I've seen that Kim <laughs> Hill throughout my knowing her, my friendship with her. So that was extremely authentic for me. Now, yeah. you've already kind of answered the question I had, because what, what gave you the courage to know that you could do the acting piece? Because it, it's not that much of an extension, I don't think, to, to do what you do in the movie compared to your foundation being on the stage all those years. Um, what gave you the confidence to just leap and just go for it, number one? And what has this done for your career as a result of this project now officially being launched out to the rest of the world? Um, I guess it's kind of a two-part question, right? Um, Correct. So I guess the, the first part is, you know, I grew up in the 70s, and, and you had to be a triple threat. That was just something that, like, all of the art gods that were my mentors, they, they knew I could sing, they knew I could dance, they knew I could act, and maybe I would not be at the top of the game at any one of those things, but because I could do all three moderately well, they were like, then you just got to be. So I started watching Diana Ross, Cher, Bette Midler, you know, women that were doing all of that stuff. Um, and understanding that there's a real place in, in the art space for that kind of talent. And then when I saw Whoopi Goldberg's one-woman show, I mean, I, I remember what I was wearing. I remember where I was in my mother's house. I remember, like, two minutes into it, she's like, oh, you can't watch this. It's vulgar. And I was like, no, 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 no. She's different. This is before the color purple. Like, so we didn't know who she was, you know? But my mother really understood, like, she's morphing into these characters. And that woman changed my life. And so that kind of morphing, um, acting has always been something that's been really, really dear and true. It's just a matter of finding a space to do that work where you're not, like, greasy and chasing a dude down the street with, a, you know, a pair of panties that you found. Like, <laughs> like nobody's mad that sometimes you've got to take those jobs. I'm just so grateful in the morning was really an introduction so that when I do have to do some Chitlin Circuit stuff, that right. people are like, but I know she can do that. It was like when Jennifer Lopez did Selena. It's like no matter what she did after Selena, you knew she could do that. Right. You know what I mean? No matter how many records she made, where she was J-Lo and she was... You're listening you to exciting premium that. content so on KC... You're listening like no to exciting premium content on KCWGthetruth.com. I like, Harper up and down the street. Like, I don't think anyone else, and I'm not saying this from a space of arrogance, I don't think anyone else could have done Harper because right. life had kicked my behind so much up to that point that I, I just had it all to put out there. And see, we got to we gotta touch on that before we let you go, because I know your story, and I need to, our audience to learn a little bit about you real quick before we land. To me, Harper and you were very, very similar in that, to me, both of you were self-actualized, and you've actually had to assert yourself early in your career so that you could let the industry and the world know that your, art, your artistry was not for sale. And so you took a stand very early from your first group, the first time you were making songs with a group that went on to become multi-platinum, and you made certain 
compromises and sacrifices uh, at the expense of popularity, but you maintained your integrity. And I saw that coming across on screen. Can you talk about that journey a little bit? What did that mean for you to assert your artistry and your womanhood? And what makes it so important for other women to see that it's so important not to compromise who you are at the expense of popularity? Well, well, thank you. Um, you know, I, quite frankly, I, 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 I would love to give you like a really provocative, like Angela Davis kind of answer. I didn't know what I was doing. Right. I just knew what I wasn't going to do. That's what you I'm know saying. what I mean? Like I wasn't setting out to make this statement or kind of grand champion this, this movement. I just knew my mom was alive. She still is, thank God. And I... I was raised in the church, but not like you're going to hell every minute. Well, kind of like you're going to hell every minute. But my mom would get us home and be like, I know the pastor said you're going to hell, but you're not. But you can have dinner. By-. You know what I mean? Like she. <laughs> so so right. core values were always there. And I never wanted to shame my mom. Like even with Harper, it was such a big deal. Such a big deal. It was not in the script where there was even like a hint of nudity for me. And when we when we started shooting, Neff was like, "So Kim," and she was sending me these images of like Nina Simone and 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 all these beautiful Lena Horne and like all these beautiful actresses that just showed like subtle nudity. And I was like, "Absolutely not, my mother, I, no, absolutely not." Absolutely. And so yeah, and so but when I, I when I really thought about it, and I said, you know, she's taking a bath. She's not taking a bath to like please anybody or. It was like the scene in Boomerang where they were looking at Grace Jones in the footage, and he's like, is that a nipple? And he's like, yeah, it must be a nipple because I'm drooling. Like, I was like, okay, well, you can show about that much. It was really – but I felt like I'd, I'd, I'd done so much in being so authentic at 40 – I think I was 41 when, when we shot that, and I, I was a new mom. I was like, yeah, you can show a little bit of something. You know what I mean? Because I trusted – the editing and the and the eyes and it was you know I had all the confidence that and support that if I if, even if in the eleventh hour I didn't want it in there so I remember sitting my family down we were getting I'm going a little off topic but we were getting ready to screen in New York and uh, I was hesitant to have my mother come um, mind you this was going to be on a big screen at like the Lowe's on 34th Street like a shining moment and I said that is so ridiculous that I don't trust my relationship with my mother. And I told her, and she said, you have made so many sacrifices to make sure you've not shamed the family. If you feel like this is for you, I support you. And when my entire family wow. came to New York and saw this film, I mean, my brother's a pastor. My sister is married to a pastor. Like, we are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When my family <laughs> sat there, and it's like a blink. Like, if you, you blink, you're going to miss it. But my mom was like, it was so beautiful. It was so tasteful. You know, not know if I was like, I'm going to shimmy, shimmy and have the whole frontal. She was like, no, hold on. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. But saying all that to say, that was a full circle moment because throughout my career, you know, and I started very young. I wasn't um, visible young, but I started very young in the business. Mm-hmm. I always kept my family and my ethics first. And, you know, for me to do that kind of for myself in a way that was liberating was a full circle moment. Um, Me standing up for being a black woman in an industry where the white girls, same thing. Now, they can do nudity and get an Oscar. We do it, and it's like you're a side chick or 
There, you know, we always have to watch it. I remember running into most stuff a couple years back and saying to a girlfriend, you know, the reason there's so much love for me in hip hop is there's not an MC anywhere that can be like, I hit that. All right. But, dang, <laughs> if I did decide, like, most was cute enough to go on a date, it would have been my own stuff that I would have felt that that would have been trivialized. But I watched the white girls go through the industry and kick it with all of them. And, and I'm, I'm being general, but I'm really speaking from a very specific experience of being on the road for many years with everything from No Doubt to Outcast, all genres of music, all over the world. And I really know about that road life. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I just always knew as a young age, as a black woman, you just don't have the luxury to just be reckless with your art, with your body, and with the spirituality of your work. And that mm-hmm. takes nothing away from Little Kim, because I was at every show hollering every lyric. But what Little Kim speaks from is so true to her experience. Okay. That wasn't true to my experience growing up. So for me to... You know what I mean? Be spread eagle with a fur on. It just was like, no, why are you going to do that? Oh, because the industry told you to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, then it just doesn't make sense. And it cheapens when it really does come from an organic space. So yes. at 46, I am, I'm grateful to still be doing the work that is important. And I'm proud mm-hmm. of everything that I've done. And, mm-hmm. you know, I could have a bigger closet and a bigger car and a bigger house. Um, but I'm grateful to say that I've survived this industry without being in rehab and without, you know, having to put my head down when I walk into a room of industry professionals because mm-hmm. none right. of them, right. the closest they got to knowing what my body looks like is if they saw that eighth, eighth of a second as me. As our <laughs> well, and that's why you're a legend. That's why you're a legend out here. I know you're not on the West Coast anymore, but you know you're always welcome out here. And I was talking about that always. with us and some people earlier how uh, Scarlett Johansson can get away with that. She got a whole movie out there and goes to the show where she's wearing a naked suit. And then Halle Berry, she's probably a lone exception to where she showed her body a monster's ball and she ended up getting an Academy Award for that. But you're listening to exciting premium content on KC. You're listening to exciting premium content on KCWGTheTruth.com. And especially in the indie world, like if Lena Dunham was Lena Jones, and she was a big black girl doing that kind of nudity and having that kind of, you know, outward body, you know, sexual encounters. It, it, it wouldn't be called girls. It, you know, it's just and it is unfortunate. We, we constantly have to just tell our stories and not worry about how white people package it. And, and that is something that we've had to learn the hard way when people go, well, why can't we? Don't worry about why we can't. We just have mm. to make our art and love it and, and embrace it and support it because, you know, I felt I, I, I was a little heartbroken by hip-hop in the same way all of us were. Once, two, once white kids were only showing up at Wu-Tang shows, we were like, you can have it. Okay. You can have it. Because right. y'all, not Wu-Tang, it'll always be ours, but you know what I mean? The art always. form that. Right. Once, once it starts, once the white kid walks up to me and starts saying bling, you can take it. I don't need to say it again. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you haven't lost your touch, Kim Hill. You, you funny as all get out. Well, <laughs> we can't thank you enough for coming on tonight. Um, I know you guys got some things coming up this week, Nefertiti and you. Uh, where can we find this film streaming? It's worldwide now. Can you give us a little hint about where we can see in the morning, catch you starring as Harper in this wonderful film? Where can we find it? 
Yes, you can find it on uh, Vimeo. You can find it on Amazon um, VHX. And there's one more. Uh, give me a second. There's one more. I think it was Xfinity, what I will say right? was. Yes, yes, Xfinity. What the action, the action that I need for people to take, aside from watching the film, is what, what, and, and obviously telling people about it, is really important to leave comments. Um, when I, I never try to watch anything on Fox, but you really know you're on the wrong station or network when you look at the comments and they're completely blatantly, you know, off the kilter. We want to tilt that in the other direction. So please get on those threads. Um, you know, sometimes they require a login, but take the two seconds to log in, even if it's under an alias, and just write something, you know, a critique, something beautiful about the film, because that does go a long way. And it does help when people get onto a, like an Amazon, for instance, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a prime member, and it, it definitely helps me buy something if I see it's got 186 great reviews, right? right? Whether we're buying a product or diapers or a microphone. So those reviews do help, and that's the action item I ask of people um, so that it just doesn't look like another film on, you know, Netflix. Well, it's not on Netflix yet, but we need those comments. We need those reviews. We need those thumbs up. And, of course, right. for people to spread the word and... Um, very excited about it. Nefertiti is, is, is she's really just stuck by this film. And, and I, I want to shout out um, Arthur Jaffa, who is just a legendary cinematographer, um, who is behind Solange's new work. Uh, obviously, he's got his, he's a legend in his own right. Hans Charles also worked on the film, who was nominated for an Oscar for 13th. He shot that for Ava DuVernay. Um, obviously, Bradford Young was the first cinematographer to be nominated for an Oscar um, in a feature film. Um, he did Selma as well. So uh, I'm really blessed to have been behind the lens of these amazing cinematographers. Um, and, um, you know, they're continuing to blossom and do this great work. And, and I hope that all of us just have springboards of success. Um, we're going to help you get the word out. Uh, yes, we will. We're going to help you. you get that word out. Absolutely. And where can they specifically follow Kim Hill? I am getting ready to launch my new website, kimhill.works. Um, don't go there yet. Give it a few days. I'm doing a little bit of tweaking, but um, I'm really proud of this website. You know, forever it was kimmykim.com, and I kind of outgrew the Kimmy Sigma. It, it definitely was very kind of um, era-specific. And um, really embracing Kim Hill as a mom, as an adult, as a survivor. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and I, my, my passion is to really share my story with men and women. Um, just a human experience of falling in, falling out, falling up, falling down, and just, you know, really keeping it moving. That is really the acronym. Tribe took it from me to the KIM. I keep it moving. So it Kim Hill's is where you'll be able to find that's right. Let it, not, let it not be never said that Kim Hill is not real hip-hop. Well, you as real as can be, I want to thank you so much for joining us on Real Love, Real Talk. Thank you so much. T-Russ, final words? Oh, man, awesome. I'm just enjoying the dialogue and the trialogue. Hey, we coming to New York. I told you directly, we coming. So we may have to have brunch. Anytime. And uh, chop it up a little. Huh? Anytime? Awesome. Anytime, she said. Awesome. Anytime. Oh, I'm the best side. Okay. That's it. Come come right on. Anytime. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I enjoyed All your right. artistry. You did an awesome job. It has been a privilege. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Blessings to you. And shout out to Juju, legendary <laughs> uh, 
L.A. staple. And and just one more quick shout out. It was Juju that that did our after party when we screened at Pan African Film Festival. Ah. Um, do you remember that at at uh, Beam and Post or Post and Beam? Post so, and Beam. That that, that wasn't Juju. Yeah. yeah, that wasn't Juju. But DJ it Al Jackson Juju, but it was, Juju was there. But the spirit was there. I was there in right. spirit. And we always that's got your right. back, Kim. We oh, always got your always. back. And you always have a place when you come to the West Coast. This has been Real Love, Real Talk Uncut with the legendary Kim Hill. Check her out as Harper in the latest film by Nefertiti and Gugu called In the Morning. Ladies and gentlemen, let's land this plane, hey. brother. Hey, man, we out, man. And uh, what a great show, man. And hopefully you got a great show next week. But I love this show. And uh, we got an archive, so, you know, uh, thank you very much. You're listening to Real Love, Real Talk Uncut. We out. One love. One love. love Peace. Thank you. Just listen to an exclusive KCWGTheTruth.com program on our subscription premium content channel. Thank you again for your support of KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio on the planet.